Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Candleland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Candleland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically, nothing costs $2 anymore. You could, like, get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that's cheap, and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. I woke up this morning to a Twitter direct message from uh, a staffer in the premier's office who I kind of vaguely remember from City Hall. We never communicated. We certainly haven't communicated lately. But the extent of the DM was a sticker that just said OMG in giant letters. I don't know what this is about. He may have accidentally sent it to me for whatever reason, meaning to send it to someone else or not meaning to send it at all. Twitter is weird. That happens sometimes. It could be trying to artificially inflate expectations such that if the budget turns out to not be cataclysmic, it'll be relatively acceptable. Or it could be some hint that, I don't know, Doug Ford is abolishing city councils or the GTC or TVO or is giving Ontario Place to MGM Resorts to do with what they will. I have no idea. So I'm standing outside on Bay Street, just south of Wellesley, outside of the McDonald Block, which is part of the larger Queen's Park complex. It's where the Ontario budget lockup takes place. And it's where, starting at 8 a.m. this morning, people get a look, be able to go through the budget. It's a lockup because, you know, the information in there could very likely move markets one way or another. And so you're once you're inside, you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to transmit anything. Certainly can't take phones in. Have to turn the Wi-Fi off on your computer. I've only done this once before, about six years ago, in Kathleen Wynne's first budget. I expect this budget will be substantially different. It was kind of a weirdly jubilant, bizarre ritual at the time, somewhere between jury duty and a Hollywood junket, where they feed you well, take care of you, give you experts to talk to, but, you know, of course, all in the interest of advancing their own line, advancing their own message. Unless you know the beat extremely well, uh, it's actually very difficult to write a critical, intelligent budget analysis. Luckily, of course, I'm not, I, although I am going in alone, uh, my co-host Allison Smith of Queen's Park Today has been in there since probably about 8 a.m. since it started, and she knows the speed extraordinarily well. Let's go in. Hey, what's up? So, uh, what departments are they eliminating? <laughs> uh, they're eliminating 10 agencies. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> but... I'm just saying that's some half joke. Oh. Um, but, like, lots of them don't sound that exciting. Like the... That's probably how they made the decisions. <laughs> the Livestock Medicines Advisory Committee, which is apparently no longer relevant. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, but it could be one of those things where, like, five years from now, all the livestock are diseased, and people are asked, like, why is this happening all of a sudden? It's like, oh, that, there was a reason for that. True. Swine flu. Emergency. 
I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, and this is my fourth Ontario budget lockup. Uh, I'm Jonathan Goldsby, news editor at Candleland, and this is my second Ontario budget lockup. And this is Wag the Doug, a podcast about Doug Ford. Currently locked up and legally detained by the Ontario government within the McDonald block at 900 Bay Street. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The government recognizes that real environmental leadership does not belong to the social media campaigns of celebrities and activists, that instead rests with real civic minded action from people right here at home. This is in a section about littering, I think. They're going to pilot a new immigrant settlement program that will uh, help immigrants settle in small towns. What are they calling the program? Oh, it's also one of those things with absolutely no details. Okay. (laughs) So there's one sentence. Ah. Oh, these things don't have indexes the same way casinos don't have clocks. (laughs) The labor ministry has a pretty substantial cut to its spending. Healthcare growth is way smaller, and, and growth in education is also a lot smaller. So we're, this is the first time we're really actually getting to see those numbers. Sean, what page was the kickboxing on? It is on page 220. Thanks. This is my list of things that are new. You can't see it, but it's about eight points in chicken scratch on the back of the, of the speech. Um, and for those things, the actual like information provided about them is pretty small. So like really what's in this document is a lot of just stuff we've already seen in press releases. Um, so I guess sort of the, uh, the, yeah. diamond, the diamond of this budget is this child care tax that they're really amping. Uh, apparently if you go into that room over there with the bureaucrats, you can type in different family salaries and find out how much they will be given in child care tax credits. Uh, they have some sort of software for that, Ooh. apparently. Presumably you need to have a child for that, right? I think so, yes. Yeah, so I can't so, just... Yeah, okay. Well, it does actually seem like it's a pretty progressive tax. Uh, you get sort of 75% of your child care funds paid for up until about a $60,000 family income, and then that slowly decreases to $150,000 family income. 
and then you don't get anything. So that's fair. Although it doesn't account for the fact that childcare in like a place like Toronto costs tons of money and in rural parts of Ontario, mm -hmm. not so much, but... Uh, what else did I want to tell you about? Oh, they're going to open up online gambling in some way that's very vague. So online gambling is allowed in Ontario, but like only through OLG's platforms. And it seems like they want to expand that. Oh, and they're going to ask the federal government to let people be able to bet on sports games. They were even talking up Cirque du Soleil in here. Not in a casino context, but there does seem to be some sort of Vegas model for how they approach everything. Well, everyone always said Ontario wasn't the fun province, so <laughs> now we're changing that. Aside from Quebec, who actually says that? I don't know. People in British Columbia. Unterrible? Or is that just because we're flat? I don't know. Brit British Columbia? The idea that anyway... So alongside that, like opening up online gambling, um, they're also going to allow casinos to start advertising free booze, which I guess has been illegal so they can mm. compete better with other like American casinos, I suppose. Also, we obviously like heard about tailgating. There's no details in here about like getting booze into corner stores or oh. the beers. Okay. Like, it's still prom like is it promised? <clears throat> I guess. Well, the one thing that there is for sure is they're going to allow municipalities to decide whether or not people can drink in public in them. Oh. So presumably if the city of Toronto wanted to, they could now let everyone drink in Trinity Bellwoods Park, which is a big change. Although it could also just be not a change because many municipalities yeah. might just be like, uh, no, still not allowed. 2017 so. blog tale April Fool's joke come to life. There you go. <laughs> Aside from Faith Goldie's mayoral platform, can you think of anyone who had mentioned tailgating prior to three days ago? <laughs> no. Well, actually, yes. They allowed it at BMO Field briefly, but it was mm. kind of like a half-assed version of it where you had to buy, you could like drink on your car, but you had to buy your booze from the yeah, stadium, that sounds about right? right? But in terms of actually someone proposing any kind of policy change, had it ever been raised previously? Not that I've heard of. I mean, it sounds like it was sort of a last-minute thing when they couldn't get another boo another more significant booze announcement ready in time for the budget. Right. It's like beer diplomacy, like Doug Ford's beer diplomacy yeah. <laughs> extended in whatever direction it can go uh, with the least resistance. <clears throat> um, so we heard someone in a editorial powwow somewhere else in this room saying it's the Vegasification of Ontario, which is also fun uh, when you contrast it with the title of this year budget, which is Protecting What Matters Most. <laughs> the former longtime editor-in-chief of the Sun newspapers, who now works as a deputy chief of staff for Doug Ford, has been sort of holding court in the corner near the, sun ta near the Toronto Sun table. And is, you know, chatting with, well, Brian Lilly earlier than other Sun reporters. And he's just still sort of hanging out there. I've never seen him in person. I mean, it's interesting because it's the perfect 
confluence of the res like revolving door of journalism to government, but like kind of in the the strangest Fordian way, right? Because like it's not you know the the policy wonk CBC reporter getting recruited to the you know the Department of Foreign Affairs in Ottawa. It's the like tabloid reporter getting this job within the premier's office when the premier's step forward. He looks like a minor character from the Harry Potter universe, but like not from the Harry Potter series, the Fantastic Beast series. If you can imagine that. I've never seen that. Steve Pakin surveying the various Nigerian bars. <laughs> and he has selected two fiber one bars. Because I'm trying to stay healthy, which is why I'm having three pieces of pizza. How is everybody today? Did you get through the 383-page uh, budget? Uh, plus Roman numerals, plus two blank pages at the beginning, 383. <laughs> uh, friends, uh, good afternoon. Our government is delivering the first budget of our mandate, a budget that sets Ontario back on a path to balance, a budget that invests more in health care and more in education, a budget that protects what matters most. We are moving ahead now with several initiatives to enhance consumer choice and convenience, including a tailgating permit, municipal alcohol consumption areas, such as parks, and extending alcohol service to start at 9 a.m. We can now say, promises made, promises kept. Good afternoon, Minister. Um, on the um, five-year plan to balance, this promise now is clearly contingent on your government being elected to a second term. I'm wondering how you will explain to taxpayers who frankly expected this government to balance in its first term. Well, again, we are, our entire premise is to protect what matters most. Uh, Minister, uh, did you guys lose your nerve on austerity? I mean, this is the largest budget in the history of Ontario, $163.4 billion spending plan. Well, certainly we're doing what protects, uh, protecting what matters most in a reasonable and a thoughtful manner. Hi, Minister. Um, my question to you is, given that this is a federal election year, uh, the federal Liberals say they plan to attack your budget as their overall campaign against the Conservatives. Uh, they're likely to point out any sort of uh, spending freezes as part of that attack. Well, this is all about protecting what matters most. Uh, there seem to be a lot of... Uh, party priorities in this budget, things like drinking at 9 a.m. Uh, can you talk about those priorities and why that was important to include in this budget? Well, it, our budget, again, is all about protecting what matters most. And in this case, we know that we can trust families. We know that we can trust families to do, to do the right thing. Thank Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a good day. That was just uh, Finance Minister Vic Fideli giving a little spiel about the budget and then taking questions from about a dozen reporters. Um, 
the, the overriding theme among the queries was essentially how or why did you not were you not able to cut as much as you had said you would be cut? And how is this substantially different or better from the Liberals with respect to the things about the Liberals you complained about? Are you finding that it is harder to keep your promises than you expected? And or are you scared of the, of the backlash? And or, uh, as Katie Simpson of the CBC, uh, I think most astutely observed, is this sort of all with an eye to the coming federal election and trying to help the federal conservatives there without also, you know, harming their chances because if people are, you know, pissed at the progressive conservative government in Ontario, when that happens, that does tend to be reflected in their sentiments toward the federal conservatives and could harm their prospects there. Yeah, and I mean, the other theme that that kind of came up is that from what the liberals projected their spending would have been should they have stayed in office this year or whatever, not lost the election, this budget from Doug Ford's PCs like spends more on programs than the liberals would have, which is sort of the opposite of what everyone was expecting. So growth looking forward is going to be slower or spending growth, but like from the rounds of questions we heard, it's a lot of surprise that we're not, that they isn't all of these deep cuts that mm-hmm. people were ex- like slash and burn efficiencies although mm-hmm. Fideli said a couple times and this might be something that's impossible to back up but on the cam- tra- campaign trail if you remember Doug Ford said over and over we're going to find four cents of mm-hmm. efficiencies on every taxpayer dollar and Fideli just claimed that they actually found eight so I don't know Eight cents on every dollar, which I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, how, well, that gets proven. How, how, yeah, how do you measure that? What, I don't, I don't. <laughs> wouldn't that suggest that they're cutting the budget by eight percent, or at least that twelve billion? Because four cents on every dollar was supposed to be six billion. Hmm. It's hard to say to what degree he he was unfamiliar with the contents of his own budget, versus was just very adamant about maintaining the same three talking points, namely stating the title of the budget, protecting whatever that matters, protecting, what is it, protecting, protecting what matters most. And by the end, he was basically like, you know, a couple words away from talking about synergy and innovation. It was just kind of a lot of meaningless buzzwords as opposed to, you know, substantive responses to questions, which is not really surprising. But then I guess, what's the point of this exercise then, of even having people toss him questions if he's just going to respond with protecting what matters most? NDP leader Andrea Horvath here, the leader of the official opposition. This budget eliminates any doubt. Conservatives don't believe it's their job to help you. So we went into this budget expecting deep cuts. What we didn't expect was the level of irresponsibility and outright cruelty that we're seeing in this budget. Mr. Ford is targeting rural and Northern Ontario by ripping over $1.3 billion from everything from rural affairs and Northern development and forestry. He has cut the Indigenous Affairs budget in half, essentially throwing Ontario's reconciliation efforts in the trash bin. My estimation of this budget is that the government tried to basically manipulate the numbers so that anybody giving it a first read would think, oh, you know, this is, um, this is not as bad as we all thought. Uh, but all you need to do is look at where those numbers come from to see, in fact, that it is very bad. I found 
uh, Andrea Horvath. I mean, she she goes. She really hit the nail on the head when she explained. You know, I would not. I mean, just laid it out basically. You know, at first glance, things look fine, but I mean, that's how the but that's how these documents are designed by necessity. No matter who's writing them, this is a promotional document. It, the, the few bits of bad news there are are so far buried at the back end or couched in so many layers of euphemism that it is enormously easy to miss and without even realizing it, it is enormously easy to buy the government line on certain things or even just you know, grab onto the handful of things the government would prefer you grab onto and start railing, railing at that such as, you know, as this recurring theme through through the reporter's questions about, oh, it's not as bad as we expected. There's actually kind of invest quite a lot. Whereas, you know, as Andrew Horvath, you know, you know, very astutely points out, if you go to the very back and look at the numbers and understand, you know, the various levels of euphemism, no, there's quite a lot of money being cut out of quite a lot of important programs and you know quite not not surprisingly and quite understandably the budget doesn't really you know want to expand on or dwell on that or put it toward the front but if you go into the the pages in the 200s or the 300s and you look at the numbers it's like oh shit that money's coming from somewhere yeah i'm gonna admit to being i was thrown off by the first round of reporter questions because my take is i'd been reading it and i'll say i had spent my time here like at really like zeroed in on the actual like fiscal changes and when you look ministry to ministry like a lot of them are being cut for example the municipal affairs and housing like what is one of Ontario's biggest problems housing its budget is cut by 25% so the environment budget the ministry of the environment's budget is cut by a third so it's like those are really massive uh, cuts and changes, which is, I think that Andrea hit the hit the nail on the head quite well when she pointed to those as you know that what we really should be looking at, as opposed to mm-hmm. the booze news, which is like funner to talk about, or Fidelity's line that we're modernizing and transforming the province, mm-hmm. like we're transforming the proce- province into a place that does even worse by the indigenous community, I guess. Yeah. The one thing, one of the fun, the fun thing, one of the interesting things about this budget are the listening to the people poll quotes Ooh. that are that are littered throughout. Some of those are references to different consultations they've had, or in some cases they cite individual survey respondents who suggested things that happen to line up with what they're now doing. But in terms of individuals and organizations quoted, the actual the person in here who is quoted the most, uh, not counting Doug Ford, is Rocco Rossi, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, who was a semi-joke mayoral candidate in 2010 and is best recently remembered as that guy who had to apologize earlier this year after a tweet that was somewhat between tone deaf and cruel on New Year's Eve, bragging about basic, I can't remember, being part of the 1% and eating caviar and champagne on New Year's Eve. And, you know, his was the group that one of the main groups that lobbied. Said let them eat cake. Yes, that was it. Said let them eat cake. And, of course, his was one of the main groups that lobbied against the minimum wage increase that would have taken effect uh, on New Year's. So um, that's who the government apparently considers uh, the people to who, or the people, or in this case specifically, the person to whom they're most listening uh, after that, the most quoted is the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, which is a right-wing business lobby. And then most of the other quotes are various industry associations and lobby groups, some banks, and then you get a few, a few healthcare organizations toward the end. None of that is surprising, but I mean, but it is a, quite a 
a wonderful illustrations idea of like you know listening to the people or for the people and the, the various obvious question is well which people they very clearly laid it out which people they're listening to yep that's a really that's a really good point and there's not really quotes about like you know there, there's any number of you know there's some you know health care organizations alzheimer society of ontario corporation stuff like that but like there are a lot of issues in this province that are not being evidently taken as seriously or being listened to. Uh, Andrew Horvath said the word poverty doesn't come up in this budget. And I was like, that can't be the case. And I just did a word search. No, the word poverty doesn't appear. The word opioid almost doesn't appear. Uh, basically, the, the only new, well, it appears twice. And the only new mention, only mention of opioid in reference to new funding is uh, modernizing Ontario's death investigation system with new technology to respond to emerging challenges such as the opioid crisis leading to annual savings oh so they're actually spending less on death investigations in reference because I, i'm not even entirely sure but basically to the extent they're talking about op- opioids it's about dealing with people after they die uh yeah so the day began for me at 7 15 a.m when i got a dm a twitter direct message from a staff member in the premier's office and it was just a sticker that said omg and I thought, you know, maybe he sent it to me by accident. Maybe he meant to send it to someone else. Maybe he didn't mean to send it to anyone at all. But that was certainly, uh, yeah, certainly ha- could only set the tone for the day and make me wonder what sort of expectations are they setting up deliberately or not. So was today an OMG day for you? No, no, it was not. That's kind of the nature of these things. The fact that it was expected to be cataclysmic and wasn't means they'll get all kinds of praise for restraint and moderation when, in fact, there are we know things we already have identified, and I'm sure many things we have yet to identify in this budget that will directly harm people's lives and make them worse. It doesn't give me the sense that they really have a handle on what the things that actually affect people, the things that actually hurt people, the things that could actually help people on a day-to-day basis, and are instead interested in the things that, you know, Doug Ford (laughs) finds interesting. Being able to drink beer three hours earlier, being able to fight people in mixed martial arts, I guess. I, I, I guess they fight. I mean, it's genius, though, right? Because they know, they know that that's what everybody's going to have a story about. They are on to their marketing, and they're smart. And that's why the takeaway from this budget might be that they haven't even cut enough, or that they like mm-hmm. broke their campaign promise by not balancing the budget fast enough, when in reality, as you say, lots of things are being cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, the question is, what will a Doug Ford budget look like when they're not as concerned about you know keeping the federal conservatives electorally viable in Ontario? Right. But by that time, I mean, if they were going to make big, crazy cuts, you know, this would have been the budget to do it because by next year, they're two years out from their own election campaign. Right. I mean, the idea that then they'd have to win everyone back in their own, you know, base Mm -hmm. of support, they'd have less of a time to do it than if Mm -hmm. they were going to make big crazy changes right this moment. Undoubtedly. Well, I look forward to... The, spending the next days and weeks hearing mm. the Ford government like literally stand and applaud this budget. So what rhetoric they sort of come away with it f- using is mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see. What do you think they'll say? 
I mean, that four cents, eight cents thing. We're going to hear that. Um, I mean, Ford said earlier this week, he called it, it's going to be an amazing budget. So probably that again. Is any budget truly amazing? Well, this, is, this is pretty amazing. People walking in with the stacks of, of, of phones. Ministry staff walking in with plastic stockpiled plastic boxes with all of our cell phones inside, organized by outlet. And now there's a parade. <laughs> This was Wag the Doug. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. You can find me on Twitter at Goldsby. I'm Allison Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Queen's Park Today. This episode is pretty, was produced by Kevin Sexton, who's been editing all night. And our theme music is re, uh, For the People, remixed by Nathan Burley. And they're going to let us out of here soon, right? Did the form say we could be detained indefinitely? I can't even recall. a corrupt petrostate. They're calling us the dirty old man of the climate world. When we were writing our vows, we, we said it would be for boom or for bust. I have approved pipelines that the previous government wasn't able to do. That's when the vandalism started. Shots fired at gas company offices. Gas well sites blown up, including one explosion set by RCMP as part of their undercover investigation. I grew up in a place where I couldn't even breathe, and that's not my fault. I don't know why the textbooks don't teach this. It is the major industry. This is why Canada was built. Canada is oil country. It's what drives our economy, divides our politics, and shapes our nation. This season of Commons is called Crew, and we're bringing you stories about Canada's relationship to oil. The good, the bad, the ugly, and especially the weird. And you would drop that into the well, into the oil pay zone, and you would set it off. So they're shooting missiles at the earth. Yes. Subscribe to Commons on your favorite podcast app, and the first episode drops on April 2nd.
Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Candleland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Candleland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically nothing costs $2 anymore. You could like get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today.